Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of Brown Girls Read podcast. This is your host Aman Tiwana and this is Kathy Thakur and both of us love reading books. On this podcast we bring our favorite books to you and discuss the parts that were most meaningful to us and how we found them interesting or relatable as brown girls. Today we are discussing Karma and Other Stories by a South Asian author Rishi Reddy. This book is a collection of 7 short stories each of them told from the point of view of an individual from the South Asian diaspora. The three stories that we have picked are all portraying women in different stages of their lives. Through their stories we'll talk about gender discrimination in South Asian communities, a lot of taboos like divorce, how girls are eftised in India, and a lot of other small issues that are highlighted in this book. The first story that we want to talk about is Lakshmi and the Librarian. Lakshmi is a first generation Indian immigrant. She's a 47-year-old homemaker, wife of a software engineer, mother of two grown sons, and she lives in the suburbs of Boston. And even though Lakshmi has everything going on in her life the way it should be, she's not happy. She wants some excitement in life, but she's of course living with a husband who has stopped caring about spending time with her and her kids are all grown up, so she feels a little bit alone. And when I was reading that I was thinking am I going to be like Lakshmi when I get older? I don't know like you know <laughs> old age sucks it gets boring and the only thing that you have left to do is work. And that's why I think married people just throw themselves at work. I mean I was a married <laughs> but you know <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> but I don't think it's just old age. I don't think age is such a factor. I think it's that laziness that comes along with any long term relationship over time people stop making efforts and sometimes i wonder actually when i think about this if we were to start behaving in a similar manner at work after being there for 2 3 years we would definitely be fired yeah i wish it was as easy to fire someone from a marriage as it is to get fired <laughs> from your job <laughs> everything would be you know would fall back into place if that could yeah happen. and people would work harder out of that fear yeah that's so true anyway i found this story really cute because at first lakshmi has been friends with this librarian for the past 15 years and it looks like both of them like each other but both of them are courteous and mindful of not crossing boundaries but you know they do care for each other yeah they were so cute all through the story i was like cross the boundaries leave your husband and go with that guy <laughs> <laughs> but they eventually end up kissing each other and you know that actually also makes lakshmi realize that she hasn't been fine with how things have been in her marriage but even after the kiss do you notice how she doesn't really think about leaving her husband yeah that was such like you know such a surprising moment for me i mean i guess not surprising because because it's a south asian community but you know like if it was an american novel or movie or a tv show her husband and her would have been divorced for sure well like you said this is a south asian indian woman and that too in her late 40s i don't think she has a choice or I don't think she thinks she has a choice and that's yeah. where it's really sad because people start thinking they're out of choices and you know this makes me think that that whole thing about people becoming indifferent in a marriage it probably also stems from this feeling of staying in because you don't have a choice versus if you were staying in because of love yeah right that's true 
Another thing that I really liked about this story was the way it portrayed the social interactions, all the desi social interactions, how people hang out, like men and women are separate, and how people gossip. And yeah. one thing that really stood out to me was one of Lakshmi's friends, I think, says something when they are all discussing their children that in the end, it's the daughters who remain close to you and take care of you. Reading that, I was like, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard this thing in some shape or form, I would be so rich. <laughs> yeah, that's like, so true. Seriously, it makes you wonder though, like, do girls care more for you because they really want to? Or is it because you have told them repeatedly that this is what a good girl is? This is what a good daughter is. And at some point, they really don't know how else to be. Yeah, honestly, you know, I also think that it's an everyday struggle for girls and it becomes even more difficult for them to realize that it is harmful for their mental and emotional health to take so much pressure of pleasing someone, pleasing their families, their moms, their dads, their siblings and not being what they truly want to be. So yeah, I think you're right. I think it's sort of like they have been told repeatedly that this is what good girls do. They take care of their moms. This is what good girls are good at. And yeah. everyone tries to be that. It's a cookie cutter thing we have been given. And it's very hard to step out of it. And even when we try to, it's not easy. Just taking a reference from the story again. There were some remarks by moms or aunties like, girls these days expect too much. Which again, I feel is so true of our community where I think people just get triggered the minute they see an independent girl or an independent woman. Oh yeah, that's, you know, so much hypocrisy in our culture, I feel. Like on one hand, guys and their parents will say, oh, we would like our daughter-in-law to be financially independent. But they forget that along with a financial independent, they have to also value her other independences, like social independence, emotional independence. Or with their own daughters as well, you know, as soon as her, their daughters are financially independent, they rush them to get married. So in one aspect or the other, women always get restricted. You know what? I kind of disagree. I don't think they want women to be financially independent. They want women to be earning. And I think there's a big difference in both things. They want a woman who brings money home, who earns money and puts it towards family money or supports the husband in some way financially. But they don't want you to be financially independent with your own money. Yeah, that's true. Or they want a daughter-in-law who is well-educated, but they don't want her to work or become financially independent. Oh, yeah. That part is just, I think, show off. Like, look, our daughter-in-law is educated or she has this or that degree. But yeah, that's about it. And this also reminds me, again, of some other interaction in the book where one of the moms tells her daughters that, Pass your exams, get a good job before you can start making demands. And I felt like this is such a great reflection from like writing point of view of a deeply ingrained bias of our people. If you're a man, making demands is your birthright. But if you're a woman, you kind of have to earn it. And how many times we have heard sentences like, you can go travel with your husband until then no traveling alone. And for oh guys, they're like... Yeah, yeah, I hate that. <laughs> and and for the same things for guys, they're like, oh, he enjoys traveling, so we support him. Like messages that like these are so disruptive for women's self-worth and confidence. Next story that I want to talk about is called Bangles. It's about a 69-year-old woman. Her name is Arundhati. 
she is recently widowed and comes to the us to live with her son and his family and kids it's a very interesting story because i think everyone will perceive it differently to me this story brings out two different topics one is about unreal expectations of parents from their kids like for example arundhati moves to the us and now she's expecting her son to take her to the temple every week something that you know uh, probably sons in india do i guess or she's expecting her grandchildren to behave in a certain way with her and if they don't then she thinks that her grandson or her granddaughter is very disrespectful it's also coupled with a generational and cultural gap for sure but i feel like this is sort of like you know expecting someone to behave in one way culturally even if they are born in a different country and a whole different culture yeah i think when people move countries there's so much that comes with it culture shock then generation gap in this case when you are moving in with your children then there's also this adjustment period which everyone needs we moved here in our 20s and i think we went through an adjustment phase of our own as well so when you move a person in their 60s or 70s i don't think it's fair to expect for them to adapt so quickly having said that i also feel like the son in this story moved her only because of that sense of duty as a son but i don't think the duty of a son ends by just moving a person to your house and then you know just leaving them so i feel like it wasn't just arundhati who was playing solo role in this situation i think her son was kind of unfair the way i saw it yeah probably i didn't feel that way because i was like his, her son comes to her room and talks to her you know makes time for her i guess since i have seen that movie bagman i feel like <laughs> i was like he's better than them so you know <laughs> this is just a tangent from our conversation i think but bagban man it just screwed up things for our generation so much i know i know yeah parents totally. used it as like ultimate guilt trip all the time like oh, see yeah. this is how you are going to be and we were just teenagers i think when it came yeah. on we like, what the hell already this is starting <laughs> it also set some fear in the parents you know oh my god this is what is going to happen to us yeah <laughs> but going back to how you started your point kathy that unrealistic expectations from parents i think you said i think that movie was a very good example of that as well indian parents have all these expectations from the minute the child is born which they keep layering as they grow up for like, like you know 20 30 years there's like so much expectation like even in the movie i think they don't save up for themselves don't have any retirement plan then all of a sudden it's like now what the hell our children are not taking care yeah. of us those people are also probably struggling like to make careers out of their lives so yeah our parents expectations can become very toxic in south asian culture yeah that's true and you know one more issue that this story also brings up is of gender discrimination like how sons are more wanted than daughters and how you know arundhati's daughter in law was loved more by her son after she gave birth to a boy oh my god that <laughs> that sentence when i read i was like yuck it was so disgusting <laughs> and then i was like actually shouldn't it be the other way around like the wife gets to decide if she will love the husband more or less depending on the sex of the child because after all isn't he the one who is providing the chromosome in this case oh that's a really good point you know 
like can you imagine a boy is born and the mom says oh it's a boy they are not caring and they're super needy <laughs> i want a divorce because it was your sperm oh or like God, it's so amazing <laughs> yeah or like you know third time third time it's a son you're useless i'm getting a new husband something like that yes that will teach them <laughs> revenge for the generations <laughs> you know this kind of reminds me of our discussion of this book power by naomi elderman which we read last oh, yeah. year right um, I I kind of want want that world reversal even if short term. <laughs> anyway, coming back to the story, I think the story had one more thing going very subtly which was elder abuse. And I loved the story for the way it was woven in. Like in the beginning you see when Arundhati just comes to US, she hears about this other woman Rukmini who is volunteering or working with a domestic violence agency. we see that arundhati thinks of her as someone who gets in between husband and wife like a home breaker of sorts but later as the story progresses we see that arundhati is not happy here she's mistreated by her grandson and she wants to go back to india but her son refuses because it would reflect on his reputation so all of this kind of takes away her agency as a human being and that's when you see that she turns to rukmini for help I guess like it tied down the whole story really well actually. Yeah, and for me the story reiterated something we all know in some ways that we never truly understand someone's story unless we are in that position. And it's so easy for us to judge from outside. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p o d g o .c o. The last story that we want to discuss is called Devdasis. This story is about a young 16 year old second generation immigrant. Her name is Uma. She goes to India on a visit with her parents. she is interested in learning dance from one of the devdasis devdasis are the women who used to dance for money in the ancient times and were very well respected but in the modern times they are thought of as prostitutes and they are looked down upon it reminded me of another book i read last year it's called the color of our sky by amita trasi this book is about devdasis and their lives in modern day india reading that book made me so sad because it showed how the religious men have made these women socially ostracized and economically handicapped and they have no choice but to be prostitutes generation after generation no one marries them because they are devdasis and because of that they are not accepted by society they don't get any jobs they don't mingle with anyone they probably also don't get to go to schools it's only when men want to sleep with them they get some food or money in return like that's the only source of income the book also showed how men would go to these religious institutions to do some puja of or something to bring good fortune to their families or businesses and sleeping with a devdasi was part of that tradition and after the act they would give food and clothes to the devdasi reading the whole thing made me so angry because yeah i was thinking like how convenient is this loophole that has been created for men to sleep outside of marriage in name of something that brings fortune to family or business 
and then the man gets to walk off without any question to his honor while generations of women are starving and being forced into sex work i know that's just very sad and i think it that books also looks really interesting i think i'll pick it up yeah i think you should i learned a lot and coming back to our story there was a part in the story when the dance teacher tells uma that in the pre british era devdasis were much more respected and that reminded me of something i actually heard very recently in a transgender lives panel where they were telling how in a pre british era hijras in indian community were very respected and apparently at one point they were also considered like demigods and after the white man invaded with the limited knowledge of gender spectrum they became this other who were basically ostracized they kind of still are they don't get jobs they don't have much options that's interesting too and it's also very sad but it makes me think were women ever respected in the indian culture well theoretically they still are we see people worshiping all these gods yeah. or money or prosperity or whatever but my personal experience <laughs> that is otherwise yeah i guess all of ours right and even in this story when uma is asked if she likes india she keeps thinking how men eve tease her on the streets like educated men who look like they're from rich families as well yeah i think the story did a great job with this part like it showed this whole thing so beautifully by beautifully i don't mean it's a beautiful experience in any way <laughs> but the writing in those few sentences from uma's point of view you see the whole eve teasing thing happening right in front of your eyes like i could feel it all over again like those creepy men who ogle at you and when i was reading it i i i actually got the creeps oh man i can actually draw a portrait of that creepy indian uncle all of them are the same they even look the same it's like engraved in my mind you know i know yeah <laughs> uncles are actually the worst like if i, I have to pick a poison i'll probably be like okay young men can keep <laughs> me out but uncles it's, it's it's so horrible and it's also so conflicting that men who are your father's age your grandfather's age are leering at you like drooling at you i know and the sad thing is that it's left upon the woman to be careful to hide herself to put a veil around her head or wear clothes that don't show even an inch of her body but it still doesn't stop them right and the story also shows the same thing there was a riot and there's this time when uma saw a group of men approaching her and she was so scared and there are like a couple of lines that are written on this like on how uma felt that way and it's written that and then something happened something that had been programmed in her for years perhaps since the day she was born when her parents knew she was a girl child she picked up the dupatta on her shoulder and veiled herself and i was thinking how many times has it happened to us in real life yeah like in normal life too when there is no riot or there is no disruption or anything when we are walking alone at night or even during the day outside in india and you can feel the gaze of these men around you and you feel like hiding yourself or veiling yourself just way too many to count and our instant first reaction is you know we'll just hide ourselves otherwise we'll be in danger or we'll be in trouble i don't think anyone else except women can understand that fear oh yeah absolutely that's the message we hear over and over right that we are responsible somehow like the whole victim blaming that exists in our culture that we yeah. have to ensure that we are not raped nobody questions the rapist so much 
but just right. the women are question why were you there what were you wearing were you drunk or a myriad of questions that exist right and since you were talking about the dupatta incident i have actual trauma that's attached to dupattas and i don't want to go into all those stories but i feel like the whole dupatta thing the way aunties are telling you to cover up it kind of teaches you that something is wrong with having breasts that you have to hide them that you have to kind of hunch your backs to not attract attention to them i am remembering how much it sucked to grow up in india yeah i know sometimes i wish i could like go back 30 years 35 years and kind of get my parents out of india <laughs> before i was born <laughs> and i feel like so many of my problems would be solved <laughs> i don't know we'll have to probably talk to indian americans if you know their problems are solved or not i think we'll have new set of problems for sure yeah but at least like but yeah if teasing wouldn't be and all we we would probably be better off yeah right Now it's time for brownie points. I would like to give one brownie point to this book because all the characters and all of the stories were sort of very realistic in terms of how South Asians usually are or how South Asians actually behave. I know. I think all stories were very realistic in that aspect. Like even the first story like those weird uncles or <laughs> all the aunties and their gossip. Yeah. Like it was so accurate. right even the language like the way they speak english was also so yeah, realistic yeah yeah i noticed that as well <laughs> i think that kind of is why i would also give this book a brownie point because i think i got so engrossed in all the stories because i was just enjoying that accurate representation for most part this reflection of people i've seen in my life that i often forgot to make any notes and then i would remember oh no i had to discuss this on podcast so i need notes <laughs> <laughs> and i love the open endings too in a lot of stories i love open endings in general because it makes it easier you know for me to imagine what could have happened or how it ends and i felt in a few stories that she picked like the right moments to end them yeah that's true especially in bangles that was my favorite story and the ending was awesome yeah it was like so hopeful and so vague at the same time right i know now before we end the episode kathi let's also share what we are reading right now yeah you know i'm not reading anything right now i'm just listening to a lot of different podcasts of different genres and i'm really getting into paranormal podcasts right now not <laughs> sure why that's happening but yeah <laughs> that's what's new <laughs> okay i, I I don't know what to say to that so I'm just going to move on to my book. <laughs> I've just finished reading uh The Midnight Library by Matt Haig which I have been recommending to every person. It's such a beautiful book about someone who's going through depression and how she finds her strength and she learns to see herself as worthy and valuable. Oh, I'll probably pick that one up. And I also just picked up Unfinished by Priyanka Chopra which we are going to discuss. soon yeah i'm waiting for that one to come to me <laughs> it sounds so magical to come to me <laughs> so that's all for today and for our next episode we are bringing the author herself on the podcast so don't forget to check out and until then keep listening thank you for listening to this episode of brown girls read podcast 
If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star rating and a comment. You can support us at anchor.fm slash browngirlsread slash support. Your support will allow us to continue this podcast and bring more episodes to you. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram, browngirlsreadpod and browngirlsread1 on Twitter. If you have book recommendations for us, you can leave us a comment or message on our social media. And you can also subscribe to us on YouTube for more content.